We're going today to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter number 5. 2 Samuel, chapter number 5. Now, I, I want to lay just a little bit of groundwork for you here in 2 Samuel, chapter 5. This is the chapter where David is made king of Israel. His anointing happened somewhere in the neighborhood of 14, 15 years old. And we understand, according to 2 Samuel chapter 5, that uh, David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned for 40 years. So this is the beginning of what, uh, to this day, historians believe to be the greatest dynasty ever in the land of Israel, King David. Jerusalem to this day is called the city of David. It's a powerful deal. But how many of you understand that just because you're walking in anointing does not mean you're exempt from trouble? As a matter of fact, sometimes when you have waited and waited and waited for something to come to pass, and it finally comes to pass, David had been anointed for a long time. But it was a season before he walked in that anointing. And just as soon as he walks into his anointing and his calling, the scriptures tell us in 2 Samuel chapter 5 that the Philistines came up against him. And so we know uh, in uh, verse 17 of 2 Samuel chapter 5, I'll try to read quickly. I know you've been standing for a while, and I want you to stand up again so I can't have you tired. 2 Samuel 5 and 17, but when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines came up to seek David, and David heard of it and went down to the hold. Somebody tell me, why was the opposition coming? Because anointing had been given. The only reason the Philistines came up against it is because they heard that David was walking in his anointing. The Philistines also came and spread themselves in the valley of Raphaim. And David inquired of the Lord and said, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Will thou deliver them in my hand? And the Lord said unto David, Go up, I will doubtless, walk in confidence in your anointing, David, I will doubtless deliver them into your hand. So David came to Baal-perazim, and David smote them there and said... The Lord hath broken forth upon my enemies before me as the breach of the waters. So this was a work of the Lord. David was anointed. He walks in the anointing. He inquires of the Lord when resistance comes. The word of the Lord says, go after it. I'll be with you. David smites them and then gives the glory to God. The Lord has broken forth on my enemies. Okay? So this is, this is powerful. I'm going to hurry up. So let's go to verse 22. And the Philistines came up yet again. Well, but I'm anointed, Pastor. God has anointed me. I should not have to fight resistance. I've already beat this thing before. The Philistines came up again. Same fight against the same anointing. The same people. Sometimes I really want to look the devil in the face and say, did you seriously come back for more of this? Did you really come back to get more of this? 
Because I got a feeling God's going to do the same to you, same thing to you this time he did to you last time. Do you really want? Somebody ought to get a little confidence in your spirit today and just, just tell the devil, I don't think you want some of this today. So because David had defeated them the first time, he said, we got this the second time, forget about it. Let's not worry about the Lord on this round. Is that what your Bible says? It said he came up yet again. And then David inquired of the Lord, verse 23. Inquired of the Lord. Why did he inquire of the Lord? Because it took the Lord the first time. And it's going to take the Lord the second time. The first time the Lord said, go up. What did he say the second time? Thou shalt not. What? God changed his mind? So victory's going to come a different way this time. Last time the Lord said, this is the will of God, go up. This time the will of God is wait. But fetch a compass behind them and come up on them over against the mulberry trees. Everybody say, God has a purpose. Like this is a random landmark. The Lord said, go to the mulberry trees and wait on me. Now listen, here comes the reason. And let it be, verse 24, when thou hearest the sound of the going... In the tops of the mulberry trees, that then, everybody say then, then, thou shalt bestir thyself, for then, then, when you hear the rustling in the mulberry tree, then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. David did so as the Lord commanded him and smote the Philistines from Geba all the way to Gezer. So we can see a trend here today. You may be seated in Jesus' name. This is so awesome. This is a powerful story. It's one of my favorite stories uh, about victory because it is certainly uh, a testimony to the fact that God really, his kingdom is never repetitive. Like it doesn't, now there are things that happen in cycles. It's going to be victory and, and the enemy's going to come against you. But sometimes God changes his mind on how we're going to go against some things. And this is, this is a powerful way to learn to live in victory. Now, I'm going to preach a little bit of my, my full sermon right here in about 30 seconds. That way, if some of you leave me here in about 20 minutes, you'll for sure get what I'm preaching to you about, okay? Just because you have had victory before does not mean that you're big enough and bad enough to go at it on your own. We must never forget that if we walk in victory, it's because of him. We must never forget that if any good thing comes of our lives, it is because of him. It was inquiring of the Lord that has brought us to where we are. And it will be inquiring of the Lord that takes us to where we're going. So let me tell you right now, I can't even walk without him holding my hand. I, I, I can't make it without him holding my hand. I can't lead this church without him holding my hand. I cannot lead my family without him holding my hand. I can't hold this microphone today without him holding my hand. Tell your neighbor today, you need Jesus. There is a confidence that comes upon us from time to time. It's easy for us to fall into the trap of believing 
that every good thing that happens is just because the favor of the Lord is on us and we've made the right decisions and that's why we're going to win every single time. It's a trap. It is absolutely a trap. And what's sad about it is so many times this spirit of confidence comes over us shrouded in a spirit of false humility. Now, this is going to be tight for just a minute. I'm going to preach to you. But it's shrouded oftentimes in false humility. Because we will say, like, well, the Lord did it. But then we want somebody to brag on us about how good we were. And you can often tell the motive of a heart of a person by who's getting the glory in their life. Woo! It's tight in here for just a minute. Hang with me. We're going to have good church this morning. I want to tell you today that my life has been full of blessing. My life has been full of victory. My life has been full of the good things of the Lord. But it's not because I'm a great person. Now, I hope I, hope I am. I, I, I tell the Lord every day, I want to be the, the best that I can be at whatever I'm doing. I want to be the best husband. I want to be the best father. I want to be the best pastor. I want to be the best friend. I want to be a man that people can have confidence in. But you understand me when I tell you today that I have put my confidence in men throughout my life. That I believe those men were godly men, they were upright men, but something happened in their world that caused them some instability. And rather than recognizing the trap, they fell and they made a mistake. And so the confidence that I put in the man had failed. I pray to God that he keeps me and protects me. I, I, I feel like sometimes that one of the biggest faults we have in the church is that we constantly live in recovery mode from things that never had to happen. I feel like we're always having to recover from mistakes that would have never happened if we would have continued to seek the Lord as our daily walk progressed and we saw things coming and we walked in the confidence of knowing that I don't have to fall to have a testimony. I don't have to fail to have a testimony, but God can keep me and I can walk uprightly. But understand, my point is telling you that I have put my confidence in men and that has failed, but never have I put my confidence in God that he has failed me and came up short. Never. I don't say this today to be ugly. I don't want this to sound ugly whatsoever. But I, I would put my life on it. That there's not one living soul in this room today that could stand up and say that God has failed you. And if you did, I'd have to call you a liar. He's never failed me. God has never failed my family. God has never failed this church. He has never failed you precious people. God is good and he's good all the time. God is not in the failing business. Now I'm not saying God has never disappointed me. But he's never failed me. God has never failed me. And so I say this today to simply let you know. That every single blessing that's in my life is because of the goodness of God. I want to pound this in for just a few minutes here until it gets in our spirits. God has been good to this old boy. 
I was driving down the road this week singing, All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness. Woo, y'all are singing pretty. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Let's sing it. All my life you have been faithful. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness. How many of you know he's good? And he's good all the time. He never fails. He never fails. And I, I need to remind my flesh every now and then of just how good God has been to me. Now, I'm not here to dip my hands in the blood and mess with anybody's past or do anything like that. But I just want to tell you, every now and then, you need to look over your shoulder and remember where the Lord has brought you from. Before we complain about where we are, we need to look over our shoulder and say, if it had not been for the goodness of the Lord, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. I wouldn't be standing where I'm standing today. But God has been good to me. Praise God. So, the Lord brought to my remembrance this weekend a story that I read many years ago. It was a story about Hudson Taylor, the missionary that went to China. And the story simply said that he made the voyage to China sailing on a vessel. And as it neared the channel between the southern Malay Peninsula and the island of Sumatra, the missionary heard an urgent knock on his stateroom door. When he opened the door, there stood the captain of the vessel, of the ship. And the story said that he opened the door and the man looked kind of frantic and he said, Mr. Taylor, we have no wind. Tell your neighbor today, we have no wind. He said, we're drifting toward an island where the people are heathen. And he said, I fear they are cannibals. This is a pretty, pretty tough little journey here. And so the captain of the vessel looks at Hudson Taylor and he says, I fear that we're headed toward an island of cannibals. And so Hudson Taylor looks at him and he said, well, what can I do? You know, I... I'm not a captain of this vessel. I don't, I don't do this sailing thing. I'm on here for the ride. What, what can I do? And so the captain looks at him and he said, Well, sir, I understand that you believe in God. He said, I understand that you believe in God. And I want you to pray for the wind. Would you pray for the wind? He said, Well, all right, captain. I will listen to this. He said, I will pray for the wind, but you must set the sail. And the captain looked at him. He said, that's absolutely ridiculous. He said, we don't even have the slightest breeze around this boat, and you're asking me to set the sail. He said, besides, and this is, this is one of the parts stuck out to me. He said, besides, all the sailors will think I'm crazy. Isn't it funny how reluctant we are to walk in faith? He's asking God for the wind. He said, but I don't want to look stupid in front of my men by putting the sail up. 
He said, my biggest fear is apparently looking stupid and not running into an island. And all of a sudden, motives are tested. Your biggest fear, Captain, is not really running into an island of cannibals, apparently. Your biggest fear is that your men are going to think you're goofy if you put a sail up in faith. They said, but finally, because of Taylor's insistence, he agreed. Forty-five minutes later, he returned and found the missionary still on his knees. And the story said that he walked into where Hudson Taylor was praying and he said, Sir, you can stop praying now because we have more wind than we know what to do with. I walked into the house of the Lord this morning and when I stepped into my office, I heard the Lord speak these words to me. He said, you have all the wind you need. I have come with an encouraging word today for FPC and all that have gathered in this house. The hand of the Lord is on this church and we have all the wind we need. I believe that there's some people in this house today that by faith you have set your sail when there wasn't a breeze blowing. You have set your sail and said, God, whatever you're doing, I want to be in the middle of it. Whatever you're doing, I want to be a part of it. We didn't set the sail because the wind was blowing. We set the sail because we know that God is able. So I, I want to preach to you for a few minutes today. We have all the wind we need. I love the way that the captain said it to him. He said, sir, you can stop praying because we have more wind than we know what to do with. Now, I need about three minutes of teaching right here. And then I'm going to preach the rest of this sermon to you. But I want to tell you that we spend a lot of our time as children of God sitting around waiting for the wind to blow. We sit around waiting on the supernatural. We sit around waiting for God to do. Everybody put your seatbelt on right here. We sit around waiting for God to do what we can do. And then we blame Him when it doesn't come to pass. Well, if God wants me to do it, then He'll make it happen. I preached to you the other day what the devil can't make you do. And I want to tell you today that God will never make you live in victory. God will never make you walk in His will. As a matter of fact, He's a perfect gentleman. He will never force His way into your life and tell you how you're going to walk in victory. But when you're willing to set your sail and say, Okay, God, whatever you're saying, that's what I'm going to do. Whatever you're doing, that's where I want to be. Whatever's happening, I want to be in the will of God. Listen to your pastor today and let me tell you, I would rather die with my sail set and no wind in the sail than I would to die with my sail down and the wind blowing. Am I helping anybody right here? Can, can, can I help you? I said I'd rather die with my sail set and no wind in the sail than I would to die with the wind blowing and my sail down. I want to take a chance by faith today and say, God, it really doesn't matter how foolish I look to the sailors. 
It really doesn't matter what people say about me. It really doesn't matter what people say in the community. It doesn't matter what people say in my family. I have put my faith in you. I have put my confidence in you. And I will not be shaken. And I will not be moved. We must, we must live in a culture of confidence in God that is not seeded out of self-indulgence in who we are and how mighty we've been. I thank God for every prayer warrior in this church. If I'm ever in trouble, I want this church praying for me. This is a praying church. But I want to tell you that it's not just the fact that you prayed that brings healing and deliverance. It is the hand of God. Our prayer is the sail that we set. When we say, God, we have the confidence that you can do this. But it is the wind of God that blows upon that prayer. That causes us to sail into seas that even make us uncomfortable. When you've got more wind than you know what to do with. I want to ask somebody this morning, what are you going to do when God starts answering all the prayers that you've been praying? What in the world are you going to do when you walk into this church on a Sunday morning and those lost loved ones that you've been praying for come in and walk in and sit down on the pew by you? What are you going to do when you've got more wind than you know what to do with? <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like telling you this morning, we are absolutely not waiting on God to do his part. I heard the voice of the Lord so crystal clear speak to me, son. You've got all the wind that you need. You've got all the wind that you need. He said, step to that pulpit this morning and tell somebody to set their sail by faith. Set the sail by faith. For faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things that are not seen. You've got to understand that faith is not moving and waiting on the wind to blow before you set the sail. But it is the confidence of knowing that I have charted my course, I have set the sail, and when God's ready, we'll have more wind than we know what to do with. Said so David... I brought you victory against the Philistines, but I'm aware now because you've inquired of me a second time that they have come again. So many times we lose our confidence in God when the trouble comes again. I know that this is hard for us to wrap our minds around and it's really hard to be transparent sometimes when it comes to things like this because we want people to believe that we're strong. We want people to believe that we're faithful. And I think that's... I think that's uh, I think that's a just thing for, for us to desire for people to believe that we're faithful. But let's just be honest. Sometimes it's exhausting to have to keep fighting the same old thing. Why is it that the Philistines are coming up against David when he's walking in his anointing? Let me tell you why. Because this wasn't the first time he'd fought with the Philistines. Let's go back to the little boy, young man, walking into the valley of Elah, a giant cursing the Lord God. 
Listen, David spent his lifetime, his entire anointing as a king, wrestling with the same old battles. That's why you have to understand that you are your own worst enemy when the devil's beating your brains out because you continue to fight with the same battles in your life. And I want to tell you why you're fighting the same battles. It's because the enemy knows that at some point somebody's leaving that battle with victory. And it's either going to be you or it's going to be him. And the reason that he keeps hitting you with the same thing is because he's hoping that one of these days you're going to lose your confidence in how to win this battle. And that you're going to collapse under the pressure and he will eventually get you on the same thing that you have defeated in your life before. Woo. The reason David's fighting the Philistines now is because he fought the Philistines before. The enemy will come at you Listen to pastor. He will come at you in places that you've already received victories before. He doesn't come to you with things that have defeated you. He comes against you with things that you have already defeated in your life. Man, I feel like helping somebody in here today. Because he knows that you are confident that you can overcome this thing. But if he can ever catch you in a season of discouragement... Where your confidence is questionable. Woo! Lord have mercy. Then he will defeat you with something that you have already defeated in your life. I'm helping somebody right now. I know I am. I'm in the Holy Ghost. But you cannot be weary in well-doing. Because sometimes the journey between well-doing and due season is a long way. The scripture said to be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap when you faint not. The problem is not that due season never comes. The problem is that I'm the one that's defined when due season should be here. Woo. Tell your neighbor this morning, you don't control the seasons. What are you saying, pastor? I'm saying you don't control the wind. You don't control the wind. You don't tell God when to blow the wind. And you don't tell God which direction to blow the wind. You don't control the wind. Be not weary in well-doing. The focus of the scripture is keep doing well. And if you're not doing well... Then start doing well and don't get weary while you're doing well. Have you ever thought about, really, have you ever thought about how paradoxical this, this scripture is? Be not weary in well-doing. You would almost seem to think that if you're doing well, you wouldn't get weary in that. Right? Oh, I'm doing the right thing. I shouldn't be weary. You realize all David was doing was walking in his God-given anointing when the same thing that he had already defeated came against him again and again. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person because it keeps coming up against you over and over again. It means that you're in well-doing. 
But the writer said to be not weary in. Man, y'all are preaching so good. Don't get weary in doing the right thing. Because due season is coming. When I was a boy, I used to love going to the library. I still enjoy it now, but I don't, get, I don't rent the books. I just buy them. And the reason I buy them now is because the books that were overdue, I could have paid for three or four times. <laughs> By the time I returned them and had the fee on my library card and I thought it was a credit card and my mother found out and informed me very quickly like you're not the one that's paying this over overdue bill <laughs> but when the book was overdue I had to pay the bill but it doesn't work that way with God because he's never overdue but the enemy wants you to believe that because the blessing is overdue. Listen, Pastor, I want to help somebody right here. That because it, you think it's overdue, then you're the one that's having to pay the penalty. Woo! I know I'm helping somebody that's real patient here this morning. Because somebody just this week has said, God, are you ever going to do this? Are you ever going to touch my body? Are you ever going to touch my family? Are you ever going to fix this? God, are you, are you ever going to take care of this? And the enemy starts messing with your mind and said, yeah, he's late, isn't he? He's overdue. And because he's overdue, you're the one that's having to pay the penalty. But you just hear this man when I tell you today. He may not show up early. <laughs> See, y'all are already preaching for me. He may not show up when you think he ought to show up. But he will always show up on time. And when you think he's too late, what you need to know is that he shows up just in time to get the glory for what he's getting ready to do. God, I feel faith moving in this room right now. I feel the Holy Ghost in here. I want us to just lift our hands to the Lord right now. God, let there be faith imparted and activated in this place today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And so trying to figure out God is like trying to understand the currents in the air and the sea. It's very, very difficult. Now, you can get trends, but... I've been, I've been flying before, flying trips before, and when I take off, I realize on the journey that I'm in a headwind, and so I automatically consider that on my way back, I should have a tailwind, like that's just that's the way it should be. But throughout the day and the afternoon as the sun moves and some things happen, there's a wind shift, and it don't go quite like I thought it ought to go. So... On my way, I've got a headwind, and then on my way home, I'm thinking, Lord, yeah, this is going to be smooth sailing. I'll make up a little better time, pull the throttle back, I'm going to be good. Only to find out that there's been a shift in the atmosphere, and what I thought was going to be is not the way that it is. And so now, I feel like I'm battling both ways, because I can't figure out how the wind is going to blow. 
But do you understand that the Lord said that being filled with the Holy Ghost is just like this? He said, he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Holy Ghost. And he said to them, he said, the wind blows where it listeth. In other words, in English, he said, the, word's gonna, the, the wind's going to blow however I say it's going to blow. He said, you're not going to know where it comes from or where it's going to go. You don't know the beginning of the thing and you don't know the end of the thing. So what you're going to find out is that living for God is often the experience of learning how to wait. Yeah, but I, 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 thought, I thought living for God was all about victory to victory to victory to victory. Oh, it is. But the process between victories. Oh. Is there anybody that just be honest enough in here today to say, Pastor, I have a hard time waiting. Oh, thank God. Men, please don't raise your hand. You're making these women believe everything they've said about you. You're impatient jokers. What's wrong with you? I, I have a hard time waiting. I do. I have a hard time waiting. I did learn a long time ago that while I'm waiting, blowing the horn's not a good thing to do in my driveway. Ooh, see, faith just shifted right there, didn't it? That's not the evidence of things not seen. Like, I've seen that. I've seen that. Don't honk your horn if you're tired of waiting in the driveway on mama. Don't honk. Don't do it. Because you got to want to live as bad as you want to get where you're going. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, man, you're dismissed in Jesus' name. Praise God. My mama said, son, you can, be, you can be right and be dead. I said, yes, that's true. So I understand waiting on God is the tough part. You do know that the promise of the milk and honey didn't come to Moses first. It came to Abraham. And it had to pass from the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, establishing things. Are you understand what I'm saying to you? And then Moses and Aaron get to walk in the promise of God. So let's work this backwards. What happens if God gives Abraham the promise and Abraham does okay? But Isaac gets frustrated. And Isaac says, well, that promise was for my father, so I'm done. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to wait on God. Then what happens to the children of Israel in Egypt when God is trying to raise up a Joseph to get power and authority and influence in the kingdom? This process is understanding that I don't always get answers when I want answers. But I've got to learn to trust that God is going to do what he said he would do. Hebrews 11 is so powerful because we read it. My papa used to call Hebrews 11 Faith's Hall of Fame. I've heard him many, many times preach on Faith's Hall of Fame. But the issue with Faith's Hall of Fame is all of these people we like to preach about is wonderful. Noah, Moses, by faith, by faith, by faith, they did it. But there's also a little piece in there that's very troubling to me. These died in the faith, not having received the promise. These died. There was a group that died believing the promise and never saw it fulfilled. But you can't afford to get weary in well-doing. Because your faithfulness is not determined by how quick he answers, but rather how you respond in the waiting season. 
And just because your vessel is not moving as quickly as you think it ought to move doesn't mean that the master of the wind has forgotten about you. What you and I must learn to do is to set the sail and let the wind blow when it's going to blow. But here's what I feel today. And this is what I came to preach. And I'm just about done. This is what I came to preach to this church today. I feel like God has changed seasons for this church. I spent a lot of my ministry in this church preaching about the things that God is about to do. But I want to tell you that what I'm getting ready to tell you right now in this place is not about what God is going to do. It's about what God is doing right now. When I came in today and I heard the voice of the Lord so clearly say to me, Son, you have all the wind that you need. My mind began to go immediately through the scripture and search the scripture. Okay, God, what are you trying to say to me? And I went to the multitude that was hungry. Five loaves, two fish. It, to me, five loaves and two fish is not enough for 5,000 plus wives and children. But to the Lord, it was all the wind they needed. The Lord said, I can take five loaves and two fish and in my hands, when I bless it and break it, when I'm finished, there'll be 12 baskets full of fragments. You understand what I'm saying to you? It doesn't look like enough on this side of his hands. But when you take it and put it in his hands and let him break it and let him bless it, woo, there's a multiplication that comes. And before the Lord would allow them to go into the city and buy 12 penny worth of whatever it was they thought would be required to feed the people, he said, why don't you trust me with what I've already put in your hands? I'm saying to this church today, we're not waiting on the Lord to blow some kind of revival in here right now. We're not waiting on the Lord to send us some special move of God. It's here right now. We have more than enough wind. What God is waiting on this morning is for somebody to set their sail and say, okay, God, I know that whatever you're going to do, you're going to do. But what you need to know is that I'll be right here when the wind starts blowing. I want you to stand with me right now. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Almighty God. There's some people in this room today that have been making promises to God saying, Lord, when you get this, this, and this in order, I'll serve you. God, when you get this lined out, I'm going to give my life back to you. If you'll do this, I'll, I'll, I'll serve you. If you'll do this, then I'll do my part. But the Lord sent me to this room today to tell somebody in Jesus' name. That the wind is not the problem in your life. God has already made a way for you. And you have more wind than you know what to do with right now. But a vessel that's in a windstorm and has no sail, all you're going to do is get frustrated in the chop. You're going to bounce around with no direction whatsoever. And I feel in the Holy Ghost today that there's some people in this house that are tired of living your life without direction. And you have spent day after day after day saying, God, I'm tired of the same old cycle. I'm tired of to and fro. I'm tired of back and forth. And so today I have come to give an opportunity to somebody. I just feel like I'm reaching today. And I feel like somebody's receiving what I'm saying to you today. But 
to that person that's been weary and you're tired of the same battle and back and forth, just understand, God's got the battle. But he said to David, he said, listen, this time, the only thing I need you to do is come over and stand by the mulberry bush. And when you hear the wind that's blowing in the mulberry bush, he said, when you start hearing the wind blow, you'll know that I've got this thing. Have you ever wondered, did David question why God sent him against mulberry bush? Lord, there's an enemy i got to fight. He said, well, go stand by the tree. That don't make sense. I figured I'd be putting on armor right now. I figured I'd be grabbing my sword. He said, go stand by the tree. Sometimes God doesn't make sense in your life. You think he's going to do it one way, and then he says, nope, go stand by the tree. How am I going to win a battle by the tree? You just wait till you hear the wind blow. And when you hear the wind blow, you'll know that I've gone before you. He said, David, when the mulberry bush starts moving in the top of the tree, he said, you're going to know that you have all the wind you need. I, I feel like telling somebody today in the Holy Ghost, just keep standing there by the tree. You got all the wind that you need. The Lord's going to help you fight this thing. It's not about how good you are anyway. It's not about how much strength you've got anyway. This is about the goodness of God. Oh, if you're tired of searching, tired of running, tired of trying to figure it out on your own, I want to submit this to you today. Why don't you just set yourself and say, okay, God, I'm going to live for you no matter what it costs me. I'll do whatever I have to do to live for you. And whenever you're ready to blow the wind, I'll have all the wind that I need. All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I have made I will see of the goodness of God Sing all my life And all my life You have been so, so good. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I have made. every breath that I have made. Oh, I will see of God. The Spirit of the Lord is reaching for you today. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed across this place, I want to encourage you. If you are here today and you've been waiting on God to fix other things and fix family and fix spouses and fix all of that before you make your commitment, I just want to challenge you to turn this thing around today and you seek God first. And let me make you a promise. When you put God first, you'll have all the wind that you need. I'm encouraging you today to take a step of faith and say, God, this decision that I'm making today is not predicated on my family, my wife, my children, my husband, my cousins, my brothers, my boss, my job. I'm making a decision today. I'm going to put you first. I'm going to serve you first. I'm going to love you first. I'm tired of asking you to fix everybody else, Lord. I'm asking you to work on me today because I have all the wind that I need in my life. If you're here today and want to make a commitment to the Lord, if you've never repented of your sins, been baptized in Jesus' name, receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the evidence of speaking in other tongues, 
I'm asking you to step out today and say, Lord, I'm going to commit my life to you. And this is not based on what anybody else in this house does. I'm going to give you the best that I have. And I believe that your win will be enough.